Amen. All right, well, we're there in Titus chapter number 2, and I'd like you to look down at verse number 12, Titus chapter number 2, and verse number 12, the Bible says this, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity. I want you to notice this phrase, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. On Sunday last week, we started a series called Peculiar People, and we started off by talking about uh, how to get the desires of your heart, and not the desires of of your heart in a carnal way, but the God-given desires of your heart, but we're talking about this idea of peculiar people. If you remember, we talked about the fact that the word peculiar means uncommon. It means not average, not normal. And God desires for us to live, uh, to be peculiar, to be not not strange and like odd, but to be different from this world. And we see that here in this passage, where He tells us that He wants to purify unto himself a peculiar people. And he says the way that that's done, the context of that is in verse 12 where he says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. See, in this world today, God desires for his people to live soberly and righteously and godly. He desires for us to be purified unto a peculiar people, zealous of good works. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to speak to you about the subject of peculiar through separation. Peculiar through separation. Now, you're there in Titus chapter 2. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you just flip a few pages uh, backwards past 2 Timothy into 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And let me say this. Most churches today ignore the biblical teaching of separation. We're going to see this morning how the Bible teaches the doctrine of separation. It teaches the concept of separation. But the average church in America today that you go to, they're not going to teach on separation. They're not going to teach you that God desires to have a people that are different, that are peculiar, that are not like the world. In fact, most churches today are doing their best to try to look and act and feel like the world as much as possible. And it's being ignored by uh, churches, this teaching of separation. And because of that, because of the fact that most churches ignore the biblical teaching of separation, most Christians are ignorant of the biblical teaching of separation. This is a very important doctrine and teaching for us to know. Now, I realize that at Verity Baptist Church, this teaching has not been ignored. So for many of you, when I say, hey, we're going to learn this morning about being peculiar through separation, you're thinking to yourself, I already know that, I've already learned that, I don't need to know anything new. But I would remind you that in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6, the Bible says this, if thou, this is Paul speaking to a uh, preacher that he's training, he says, if thou put the brethren and remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells me that as a pastor, my job is to continually put you in remembrance of things that maybe you already know, things that you've already learned, but it's good to just be reminded again and again about certain doctrines and certain things that the Bible teaches. So if you're here, you're saying, I'm already living a separated life, or I already understand the doctrine of separation. It's good for you to be put in remembrance of these things. 
It's good for you to be reminded about the things that the Bible teaches. And today what I want to do is I want to teach a very just doctrinal sermon on the subject of separation because God desires for us to live a peculiar life through separation. I want to give you three thoughts or three points, three things to to consider in regards to this. And if you'd like to write these down, I'd love for you to do that. If you don't have a baby sitting on your lap, on the back of your course of the week sheet, you can write down some notes. And it's good for you to write things down because it's, it's good to hear things, but then it's also good to turn the passage and see things. And then it's also good to take a pen and write things. And that will help you remember and learn and understand these things. So let's start by talking about the philosophy of separation. When we're talking about separation and living separated lives, what do we mean by that? And honestly, many of you are going to sit here and say, oh, I understand separation, but I, I doubt and I think that many Christians do not understand that there are two sides and two concepts to the doctrine of separation. So when we're talking about the philosophy of separation, we must begin by talking about the obvious, which is that we are to be separated from the world. One side of the teaching of separation is that we are to live a separated life from the world. Now keep your place there in 1 Timothy. We're going to come back to it. But go with me to the book of John. Towards the beginning of the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 17. And do me a favor, when you get to John, put a ribbon or a bookmark or a bulletin or something there because we're going to leave John and we're going to come back to it. John 17. So you should have your place in 1 Timothy, be able to get there quickly, and also in the book of John. Now in John 17, we come into the Lord's Prayer. Now it's not the Lord's Prayer that most people call the Lord's Prayer. Most people call the Lord's Prayer the famous prayer that Jesus gave when He said, uh, you know, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That wasn't really Jesus praying, that was Jesus teaching His disciples how to pray. In John 17, we actually get to uh, sneak up on the Lord Jesus Christ and and, and, and overhear uh, him praying to God the Father. He's actually praying to God. He's not giving an example of prayer, but we get to see his prayer to his Father. And I want you to notice what he says in this prayer. John 17 and verse 9 says this, I pray for them. Notice, I pray not for the world. So he says, he says, I'm praying for them, but I'm not praying for the world. He says, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. He's praying for those who are believers. And what's great about this passage is that here we see the Lord Jesus Christ praying, not only for those who believed on him there at that time, but he's praying for you and for me. He's praying for those, he says, which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Notice verse 15, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. I want you to notice that the, 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 Jesus did not have a concept of separation that would line itself up to like what the Amish have done or what the Mennonites have done or what other groups, you know, Christian type cults have done where they go out, when we're, where they go out and maybe they, they set up some sort of a commune or some sort of a community outside of, uh, of the world. See, you can take separation to a, uh, an unbiblical extreme where you would say, man, we need to be so separated from the world that that means we physically just get ourselves away from the rest of the world. You say, would Jesus agree with that? And the answer is no. He says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Because, of course, Jesus wants us to be a light to the world. 
He wants us to go out and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. He wants us to preach the gospel to every creature. So he doesn't want us to physically remove ourselves from the world, but he says, I want them, while they're in the world, to not be of the world. Notice verse 16. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. See, when it comes to this idea of separation, we must understand that one aspect of it is separation from the world. And you say, well, why would we separate ourselves from the world? Because here's what you need to understand. We are not of the world. If you are saved, you are not of this world. Keep your place there in John. We're going to come back to it. But go back. To, uh, if you kept your place in 1 Timothy, go from 1 Timothy to Hebrews. So you're going to go past 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, into the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. And make sure you keep your place there, all right? So we're going to, you should now be in John and also in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 11. Look at verse 13. Notice what the Bible says about us as believers. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 13. Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse 13 says this, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed. The word confessed means they admitted, they acknowledged, notice, they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. The word stranger in our King James Bible would be the word that you and I would use today would be the word foreigner. He said these people confessed, they acknowledged, they admitted that they were foreigners and they were pilgrims. What's a pilgrim? It's a traveler, someone on a journey. Here's what he said. He says, we are sojourners, we are strangers, we are pilgrims, we are travelers, we are foreigners on the earth. Look, when you got saved, you became a citizen of a different world. You are not of this world. You are simply here temporarily. You are on a journey through this world, but we are going to a better land. We are going to a better country. We are citizens of a different nation. And this is the concept, the underlying of separation. When we talk about the philosophy of separation, why live a separated life? Well, first of all, because we are not of this world. But secondly, and keep your place there in Hebrews. We're going to come back to it. Go, go to Romans chapter 12. If you kept your place in John, you have Acts, Romans. And do me a favor and put your place in, keep your place in Romans, all right? So now you should be in Hebrews and Romans. I'm trying to guide you because we have a lot of passages we're looking at, and I want you to be able to get to them quickly. Not only are we not of this world, but because of that, we are not to be conformed to this world. Romans chapter 12, look at verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And I realize that these are some basic thoughts, but it's good for us to be reminded. And for some of you, these are not basic thoughts. This might be the first time you've heard this type of preaching or this type of teaching. You may have heard preaching on separation, but not understood why. I'm teaching you this morning why we should live a separated life. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. When you present your bodies a living sacrifice, that you are not exceptional, you are doing your reasonable service. Verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. The word conformed means to be patterned after. 
God says, I don't want you to conform yourselves or pattern yourselves after this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. We'll talk about that here in a minute. That you may uh, prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God says, hey, I don't want you to be conformed or patterned or similar in form and type. You know, sometimes people ask me, why is it that at Verity Baptist Church, why is it you guys sing those old hymns, those old fashioned hymns? Because I went to the church down the street and they were singing music that was a little more uh, contemporary. And here's what you mean by that. They were singing music that was a little more worldly. You say, why don't you sing that music? Here's why. Because we are not to be conformed to this world. Say, at the church down the street, they turn all the lights off, and they've got spotlights, and they've got, you know, the smoke coming from the stage. Yeah, it looks like a rock concert, and it's conformed to this world. You understand that? So here we're told that God desires for us to not be patterned, to not be conformed to the world. You say, why? Because we're not of the world. And with that, he desires for us to come out of the world. You're there in Romans, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. You're going to go past 1 Corinthians into 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 14. We're not of the world, we should not be conformed to the world, and we are to come out of the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14 says this, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. He says, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Here's what he's saying. These things don't go together. Light with darkness. Righteousness with unrighteousness. Christ with Belial. The temple of God with idols, for ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and will walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Don't miss verse 17. This Verse 17 is probably the most important verse in regards to the doctrine of separation. He says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Here he tells us, look, you're not of the world, you're not to be conformed to this world, and I want you to come out from among them and be separate, not physically separating yourself. Because remember he said, I don't want you to take them out of the world, but he says, I want you to be different from the world you're in. And here's the question you got to ask yourself. If you are a believer, if you are saved, and if you've decided that as a believer, you want to live the Christian life, because those are two different things. You've decided that as a saved Christian, you now want to begin the process. Not You've already been saved, but now you'd like to be sanctified. Now you'd like to be separated. Now you'd like to begin the process of becoming a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ. And I would imagine if you're here this morning, that would be your desire. But here's the question you have to ask yourself. If I as a Christian am not different from anybody else around me, then what's wrong with you? Look, if you go to work and you tell all the same dirty jokes that the guys at work tell, you talk about all the same stupid things that they talk about, you listen to all the same heathen music that they listen to, then where are you separate? How are you different? How are you peculiar as a people of God, if you're just like them, and this is just the philosophy of separation, but the philosophy of separation is this. When you got saved, you are no longer of this world. You're not to be conformed to this world, and you are commanded to come out from among them and be separate to the world. 
Now, look, we're talking about the philosophy of separation. The philosophy of separation is this, that we are to be separated from the world. I think most independent fundamental Baptists understand that and believe that and don't have an issue with that. Most of you understand that, and whether you're living it out or not, you at least get it and understand that's the concept. But there's another side to separation, and I think this is the side that most people miss. If you kept your place there in, uh, keep your place in 2 Corinthians or in Romans, wherever you were, but go to 1 Peter chapter 1. If you kept your place in Hebrews, I've been having you keep your place in two different places, so you should have your place in either John or uh, Romans or First and Second Corinthians, somewhere on that side of the New Testament. And then you should also have your place in Hebrews. If you're in Hebrews, go to First Peter. So you're going to uh, go past James into First Peter and continue to keep your place in Hebrews, but go to First Peter chapter 1. One side of separation is separated from the world. But there's another side to separation. And listen, if you're sitting here and you're asking yourself, I wonder what that second side is. I'm not mad at you. Maybe as a pastor, I failed to teach this. But this is where the failure comes in in Christianity when we don't understand the second side, the second part, the different side of the, co- uh, of the coin when it comes to separation. See, separation has two sides from it. One is from the world, separated away from the world. But the other side is separated unto God. You say, what does that mean? First Peter chapter 1, look at verse 16. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. See, you say, why does God want us to live separated lives? Because the word separated means to be set apart. It's actually the same word as sanctification. Sanctification means to be set apart. It's the same word as holy. The word holy means to be set apart. When something is sanctified or it's made holy, it's set apart. How does it get set apart? Through the doctrine of separation. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Why does God want us to live holy, separated lives? Well, here's why he wants it. He says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. See, God is separated. God is sanctified. God is holy. And God desires to have communion and fellowship with you, but He cannot do it while you're living a a lustful, sinful, covetous, worldly life. So here's what God says. God says, I want to fellowship with you. I want to commune with you. So I need you to be separated from the world. But it's not just from the world. It's to God. 1 Peter chapter 2, look at verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says this, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a separated nation, a sanctified nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness. You say, yeah, I understand separation is coming out of darkness, but don't miss the second part, into his marvelous light. See, separation is from the world, but it's unto God. Many of you are familiar with the events that have transpired over the last week, the events that we've heard about pastor, or a specific pastor this week failing, but it's not a new story. We hear it all the time. And a common question that I hear from our church people, and you're not wrong to ask this question. I'm trying to help you answer this question, a question that I've gotten a lot, my wife has received. Uh, I've seen it 
on, on comments and things like that. And a common question that people ask, they'll say, how can it be? How can it be that a pastor could take such a strong stand for separation, preach so hard and be so against, you know, the things of this world, and, and yet at the same time be living a hypocritical life and, and be involved in these major sins? How can that be? And here's the answer to the question. There is a difference between separated, being separated from the world and being separated unto God. See, the Muslims live a separated life, but they don't love God. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Amish live a separated life, but that doesn't mean they're in love with Jesus. That doesn't mean that they're saved. That doesn't mean that they're doing right. See, as fundamental Baptists, we get the whole, I'm against this and I'm against that. And look, I'm not against that type of preaching. I'm all for that. We ought to be against drinking. We ought to be against fornication. We ought to be against uh, pornography. We ought to be against drugs. We ought to be against cussing. We ought to be against all of that. But when you think separation is simply living away from the world and there's not an active uh, uh, desire to be close to God, you will fail. You will not live a separated life when your concept of separation is simply what we don't do, and I'm all for what we don't do. But you better make sure that there's an aspect of you that is seeking God, that is searching the Scriptures, that is in love with the Lord Jesus Christ, that is praying, that is feeding your spiritual life. Because separation is not just from the world. It's unto God. And, and, and the liberals today will say, well, we love God. No, you don't when you're fellowshipping with the world. But the fundamental Baptists will say, well, we hate the world. Well, not really if you're not in love with God. See, separation, separation has two sides, and you must have both sides to do it right. From the world unto God. From the world unto God. You say, unto God, but still in fellowship with the world. That doesn't work. We'll see that in a minute. Well, from the world, but I'm not really in love. That won't work either. You'll end up looking like a hypocrite. You'll end up looking like a fool. Titus chapter 2, verse 14. We, we read it. You don't, you don't have to turn there unless you, you want to. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. When we talk about the philosophy of separation, what are we talking about? We're talking about being separated from the world unto God. From the world unto God. But let's talk about the practice of separation. We talked about the philosophy of separation. Let's talk about the practice of separation. If you kept your place in Hebrews there, go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. You got Hebrews, James, 1st, 2nd Peter. You got the book of 1 John. There's two aspects to the philosophy of separation. From the world unto God. Why do you keep saying that? Because I hope it sticks. From the world unto God. Look, it doesn't matter how strict your dress standards are. It doesn't matter how strict your, your TV standards are or your entertainment standards are. It doesn't matter how strict your life is if you're not reading the Bible, if you're not praying, if you're not uh, walking with the Holy Spirit every day, you will fail. It's not sustainable. You cannot sustain a separated life without walking in the Holy Spirit. That's just the end of it. So it's from the world unto God. But when it comes to the practice of separation, there are two concepts to that as well. One is this. You, to live a separated life, you must reject the things of this world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world. 
Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This is why you, you, can't, you can't say, well, I love the world and the Father. It doesn't work that way. If you love the world, love, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world. For all that is in the world. For all that is in the world. There is nothing the world has to offer that doesn't fall under these categories. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He's like, that's all the world offers. You, look, you, you, you want to go live for the world and live for the devil? Here's, here's what he's going to offer you. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And none of that is of the Father. He said it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. See, the practice of separation is to live a separate life. You must reject the things of the world. You must realize that everything the world has to offer is not good, is not for me. Amen. Everything the world has to offer is not going to benefit me at all. And God says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Why? Because for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, it's of the world. So when it comes to the practice of separation, when it comes to the practice of separation, we must realize that to live a separated life, you must reject the things of the world. And look, some of you, that's where the problem is. For some people, that's where the problem is. They're not willing to just reject the things of the world. They want to keep those things around. They want to keep those things with them. But look, you cannot be a peculiar people. You cannot live a separated life without first understanding that there are two sides to the coin, separated from the world unto God, but there's two sides to the practice of separation. One is to live a separated life by rejecting the things of the world. There's a second aspect to it. Go back to Romans chapter 12, if you kept your place there. Romans chapter 12. We already read these verses, but let's look at them again together. Romans chapter 12. When it comes to the practice of separation, we must live a separated life, or living a separated life means we reject the things of the world, but it also means this, that we must renew how we see the world. We must renew how we see the world. Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, and be not conformed to this world. Notice, but be ye transformed. See, I don't want you to be like the world. I want you to be different. I want you to be transformed. You say, how do I get there? Here's how. By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, to do separation, you must be willing to reject the world, and you must be willing to renew your mind. You need to stop thinking. Look, especially those of you that, that got saved later on in life, you need to just realize that everything you've been taught, everything the world has taught you, and not just those of you that got saved later on, all of us are constantly being programmed and brainwashed by the world. We need to just realize that anything the world has told us, has taught us, we need to think differently from the world. We must renew your mind. And people often accuse churches like ours, like, oh, that church is trying to uh, uh, brainwash you. Yeah, your brain needs a good washing. They're trying to brainwash you. But you know what? So The public school is trying to brainwash you. Hollywood's trying to brainwash you. The politicians are trying to brainwash you. Look, everybody's trying to get you to think their way. So you either just allow the world to tell you fornication is fine, divorce is fine, uh, li living like the devil is fine, or you allow God's word to renew your mind. 
But look, to live a separated life, to live a separated life, you have to be willing to reject the world and renew your mind. And the renewing of your mind, this is where we have these talks with Christians, and we're just like, what in the world? How do you not understand? How do you not get? How is this not clear? But it's because they're, they have worldly minds. They've got minds that are on the things of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Romans, 1 Corinthians, 7 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. This is, this, is the, this is the product of separation. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So we talked about the philosophy of separation. We've talked about the practice of separation. Let's talk about the purpose of separation. And, I, and, I'm, and let me say this, I'm purposely not getting into some specific things of separation because we're going to spend the next several weeks getting into some real specific things. This is kind of just meant to be a, 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 a foundational sermon just on separation, the concept of separation, what we believe about separation. The philosophy of separation is this, from the world unto God. The practice of separation is rejecting the world and renewing your mind. Let's talk about the purpose of separation. What is the purpose? And we've already talked about it a little bit, but let's talk about it. Uh, uh, make sure you understand it and, and we'll be done. The purposes of separation are these, to establish a good relationship with God. Amen. To establish a good relationship with God. Second Corinthians chapter 6. If you're there, I can't remember if, I, if you're there or not, but get, get to Second Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 16. We already saw these, but let's look at them together. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? <clears throat> For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them. Don't miss that. For ye are the temple of the living God. Do you understand when you got saved, the Holy Spirit indwelled you? The Holy Spirit, which is God, the third member of the Godhead, came to live inside of you. You were sealed with the Spirit of God. He says, ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Look, here's what he said. He said, I, you're, he said I'm already in you because you're the temple, but I, I want to not just be in you. I want to walk with you. I want to be your God. I want you to be my people. He said, I want to establish a good relationship with you. You say, okay, God, well, how do we do that? Verse 17, wherefore... The word wherefore means for that reason. For what reason? Because he wants to dwell in them and walk in them and be their God and they shall be my people. He says, for that reason, wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. You say, well, what is the purpose of separation? Is to establish a good relationship with God. Is to walk with God and to have a relationship with God well, you would be able to say, or God would be able to say, that He is your God and you are His people. It's to walk with Him. This is what separation is not about. Separation is not about having some sort of comparison challenge where we're trying to figure out who's more right with God. Well, who can take the stronger stand? Well, you know, well, yeah, I mean, you, you believe in men having short hair, but you, when, you, when you get a haircut, you get a number five on the clip. 
and I get a number three. <laughs> that's silly. And that's an extreme example, but here's what I'm saying. Here's, what, here's where fundamentalists often fail, is we make separation all about how separated am I from the world and how much more separated am I than you? Because if I'm more separated than you, then I must be more godly. And that is not the case. Just because you live a separated life, just because you're separated from the world does not mean you're separated unto God. And look, when your Christian life has become just some sort of a match where you're constantly trying to correct your neighbors, constantly trying to correct your family members, constantly trying to correct every friend you've got on Facebook, where you're constantly just trying to tell everybody where they're wrong and why you're right and why you're better. Here's all I'm telling you. You will fail. You will not make it in the Christian life. Because the purpose of separation, the purpose of separation is to establish a good relationship with God. It's all about me and God. It's not about me and you. Now look, we should preach separation. We should try to help people. But it's not about, it's not about you and me and how uh, separated we are. No, it's about how separated am I from the world unto God? How close am I with God? Go to James chapter 4. If you kept your place in Hebrews, just the next book over is James, James chapter 4. Look at verse 4. Why do you feel the need to always argue with everybody? Look, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm trying to help you. It's funny. People will come up to me and my wife, and they'll say, they'll, they'll take, well, I do this, and whatever. And my wife and I, were think ourselves. The, the funny thing is, in that situation, we actually take a stronger stand with you, but I, we don't feel the need to tell you about it. Look, there, there's something wrong with every time you do something spiritual, you have to report it on Facebook. There's something wrong with you. The equivalent of that for the Pharisees was every time that they did something spiritual, they had to blow a trumpet so everybody would know. You've really got to ask yourself, what is your motivation to living, for living a separated life? Is it just so you can be better and outdo everyone and make everyone feel better? Well, I would never do that. Let me ask you what you would do. I, seriously, I, I'm, look, I, I'm not mad at you, I'm trying to help you. When you walk into a conversation and somebody's already doing something and you walk in, well, I would never do that with my children. Did they ask you? Then what, what is the need inside of you to correct them? Is it not enough that you're walking humbly with God? And I'm not, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be preaching things. Look, from the pulpit, and when it's teaching and preaching, we should rebuke and, and reprove and exhort. I'm saying you need to understand and you need to examine your motives as to why you do what you do. Because the purpose of separation is to establish a good relationship with God. And the purpose of separation is to keep a good relationship with God. James chapter 4, verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. You can't have it both ways. You're either a friend of the world and you're the enemy of God, or you're the, a friend of God and the enemy of the world. You can't. This is why Jesus said, you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. 
Ephesians 4.30, you don't have to turn there, says this, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Say, well, how, why do, how, how can I grieve the Holy Spirit? Because look, if you're saved, He's in there. He's in there no matter what you do. And when you sin, you take Him with you. And when you do wrong, you take Him with you. And God says, please don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. The word grieve means to feel intense sorrow or to cause distress. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're, we're, we're going to be done here in like five minutes, five, ten minutes. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We talked about the philosophy of separation. What's the philosophy of separation? To be separated from the world unto God. From the world unto God. It's not enough to be separated unto God while living in the world. It's not enough to, enough to be separated from the world. Why not? Uh, thirsting and, and desiring and wanting God. If you're not going to do it right, then don't do it at all. The purpose, the philosophy of separation is from the world unto God. The practice of separation, you say, how can I begin to live a separated life? We're going to teach you some very specific things over the next several weeks on how to live a separated life. But before you get there, before you get there, the way you prepare for that is you've got to make two decisions. I will reject the world and I will renew my mind. So when you hear the sermon and you think to yourself, I've never heard that about clothing. I didn't know the Bible talks so much about clothing. Just remember, I'm choosing to reject the world and renew my mind. Maybe there's some things I didn't understand about my life that needed to change. Reject the world, renew your mind. And the purpose, what's the purpose? To establish a good relationship with God, to keep a good relationship with God. Second Timothy chapter 3. I, I want to use this example. I've used this example uh, before here at our church. I, I recently used it uh, when I was guest speaking somewhere else, and I, I didn't ask anybody uh, to, to volunteer, so I'm just going to pick some volunteers. If Hopefully these guys don't mind. But if I could have Brother Arthur and Brother RJ, would you guys mind helping me come up here? I want to use you guys as an example. Um, come up, come on, just stand right here on this first step. You know what, you're tall. Stand on that other step. You make me look bad. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I like Arjun. No, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so this is the example that, that I'd like to... I, I've used this before, and I want to use it again. Are you there in 2 Timothy chapter 3? Look at verse 13. 2 Timothy 3.13 says this, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Let's use these two guys as an example. Arthur is definitely the, the more worldly one of these two, and, and uh, RJ is more spiritual. I'm just kidding, all right? I mean, that's not true. They're both, they're both great. But let's just say that RJ, RJ, stand right here in front of the pulpit. Let's say RJ represents the world. Uh, excuse me, Arthur represents the world. And let's say RJ represents the Christian, all right? The problem with many fundamentalist types Christians is that they believe, what they believe about separation is that separation is basically a distance from the world. Right, so RJ, put, put your hand up and just, just put your arm out like this. Most Christians believe that this is separation. I am to keep a distance from the world because the world is bad, and as a Christian, I'm just not supposed to be like the world. The problem with this belief system, the problem with the belief system that separation is just a distance from the world is that 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13 says this, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. See, the problem with believing that separation is simply a distance from the world is that the world is actually getting worse and worse. So if Arthur, 
who's the world is getting worse. And RJ, who's a Christian, believes that separation is just a distance from the world. As long as he stays this far away from the world, he's a good Christian. Here's the problem with that. As the world gets worse, take a step in that direction, Arthur. And separation is only a distance. As the world gets worse, so does the Christians. Take another step. As the world gets worse, stop, stop right there. Stop right here. So are the Christians. And you know what? Before long, now the Christian is standing where the world used to stand. Take another step. Before long, the Christian's worse than the world used to be. This is what we see in Christianity today. The music and the topics and the sermons and the things that are going on in the average church in America today are worse than what the world used to believe 100 years ago. Than how the world used to act 100 years ago. Do you understand that? And the problem is this, this thought that separation is simply a distance. See, separation is not a distance. Separation is actually a stand. Let's, let's start over, guys. Come this way. If this is where God wants you to stand, and you're distant, go ahead and put your arm out. And my belief system is a standard that I believe because of the Word of God. And this is what we're going to talk about next week. Developing some specific standards to guide your separation. If my separation is not based on how good I am in comparison to the world or how good I am in comparison to other Christians, but if my separation is based on the Word of God and my relationship with God, then here's what that does for you, is that no matter how bad the world gets, I'm, just, I'm standing where the Word of God stands. You, you, see, there was a time when all Christians believed what we believe about homosexuality right now. You know, most Christians don't believe what we believe about homosexuality. You say, why? Because they thought separation from the world was a distance. They thought separation from the world... As long, see, the world embraces homosexuality. Most Christians today, well, we don't, we don't think it's good. We don't think that they should get married. But as long as, we kinda, as, long as we're not as bad as they are... No, no, why don't you just stand where God tells you to stand? Why don't you just believe what God tells you to believe? See, when we believe, thank you guys, I appreciate you doing that. Can I have a seat? Let's give them a round of applause. And here's all I'm trying to explain, and we're, and we're done. When we believe that separation is a distance from the world, we will get worse and worse because the world gets worse and worse. And that explains, that explains what we see today in Christianity. That explains what we see in the old IFB today right now. Separation is not a distance from the world. It is a separation from the world unto God. By rejecting the world, and if the world wants to just get on a, on, on a train to hell, let them. We're going to stand right here. Because we've rejected the world, we've renewed our mind. And our purpose, our point, is not to just be better than, but to establish a good relationship with God. That's my